It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. A blank page holds infinite possibilities. It stirs our passions and is a space to become. Papier takes all the wonder and potential of a blank page and creates premium quality stationery, journals, notebooks, planners, and more. Each product is crafted with thoughtful details and gorgeous hand-drawn designs. Each page is as special as the thoughts you put in them. Best of all, their products can be personalized for free, to be uniquely yours, or to make an unforgettable gift for someone in your life. Papier's high-quality notebooks are a beautiful place to keep your notes, ideas, and memories. And with their undated planners, you can organize and track life at your own pace. Make each day noteworthy for yourself or someone you love with Papier. Visit papier.com for 10% off your first order. That's 10% off at papier.com. Hi, and welcome to the Grace Under Pressure podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Willis, and today I'm joined by two wonderful ladies. Uh, how, how about you introduce yourselves? Uh, yeah, uh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Christina Borlein, second degree black belt. Um, happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Sarah. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm Erin Hurley. I'm a black belt and uh, working on becoming a mental coach. Awesome. Awesome. So this is a really wonderful episode. It's a topic that's close and near and dear to my heart, which is mental health and jujitsu or just mental health advocacy in general. Um, why don't y'all give me a little bit, Erin, uh, if you want to start or if Christina wants to start just a little bit of your backstory and, you know, it takes a long time to get a black belt. So, you know, a little bit of your story. Yeah. Um, I'll try to be brief, which is not my forte. Um, I, I found jujitsu when I was in the hardcore music scene. So I was already kind of in a male dominated area, but I had never been an athlete before. Um, and I met someone who brought me to the 2008 cans and because I live in California and LA, mm -hmm. so I'm really spoiled. Uh, so it was like, Oh, let's just drive an hour and go see one of the biggest tournaments in the sport. And I was like, yeah, whatever this like weird wrestling stuff is. Um, and then I saw like women competing and I was like, that's amazing. Um, so I was like, I'm going to try it, but I had a lot of like social anxiety. Um, and so I was really afraid to step in the gym, but I knew there was one right by my work at the time. So it was like a year later, I finally went in and it was Hamala Bahal. And from there, it was like three months in, I was competing and everything. Um, and so for me, it was more of like, wow, I found a thing that I could be creative in and I can feel that like my weirdness is accepted because a lot of people in jujitsu are a little bit weird and the sport itself is weird. Uh, it's not a traditional sport. And mm -hmm. I struggle with that now in my, my graduate program for sports psychology. Cause it's like, they're all like, yeah. So the innings and like the field goals and all this stuff. And to me, it's just sports. Um, so I'm just very combat sport 
oriented. It's the only sport I've known um, and actually participated in besides like PE, you know, <laughs> classes in high school. So yeah, it was, it was a great opportunity um, for me to find something that like I could put myself into wholly as a person, as an athlete, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I started off actually doing Muay Thai before I started doing Jiu Jitsu. And so um, I walked into Cesar Gracie's Academy just by chance was going to go have dinner at this restaurant next door. Um, my boyfriend at the time was like, oh, there's like, there's jujitsu here. And like, I had no idea what that is, you know, or what that was. And I was like, oh, but they have Muay Thai. Like, I'm, I'm more interested about that. So um, I'm like walking in, I'm seeing like Biddy Magalish, like teaching a class. And like, obviously I don't know who he is at the time, but like he's there. And, and they're like, oh, you're interested in jujitsu. I'm like, no, Muay Thai, where's the Muay Thai stuff? I'm like, I don't, I don't know what you guys are doing. Like, they're like cuddling. I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> and so, um, and it took like a year um, of just doing Muay Thai. I know at some point, like a couple months of doing Muay Thai, someone was like, hey, you know, let me, let me show you some jujitsu stuff. And it was Nogi. I'm like, this is weird. Like, you, have to be, you said that you don't have to be bigger, strong or athletic to be good at it. You just need technique, but this is like not working. I, I call BS. I don't think this is, I don't think this is my thing. I don't think it's for me. So it took a whole year of nothing but Muay Thai. And then my teammate was like, Hey, give jujitsu a try again, but like with the gi on. And I'm like, I was a little bit more open-minded that time. And I'm like, okay, I'll give it a try. And, um, absolutely hooked. I was like, Oh my God, this makes so much sense. Um, but it, it still took a little time before I actually was able to sign up because I was still so much in the Muay Thai. Um, I had to break up with my boyfriend at the time to start training. Um, like it was, it was just, it was one of those, like, it's either me or jujitsu. I'm like, okay, you can leave. Yeah. <laughs> you can leave. Right. Like I, I remember um, literally like the fight we were having, which is like, I don't understand why you don't want me to do something that I feel like, I feel like it could be really good at it. And I could feel like it could be really good for me. Mm-hmm. And, and he was just like, no, you're not good at it. They're just lying to you. Mm-hmm. They just want to, they just want to use you. They just want to touch you. They just want to make a fool out of me. Uh, they're just trying to, you know, they're just trying to get at you. Um, you know, and like, yeah, you need to, you need to leave. You, yeah. you really need to leave. And he's yeah. like, who are you, who are you leaving me for? Who are you cheating on me with? I'm like, I'm leaving you for jujitsu. There's, there's no person. <laughs> there's no there's no other person, just jujitsu and you're an asshole. So you need to go. There you go. And um, yeah. And then, um, and then once, uh, once uh, professor, once I met professor Kyle, uh, when he came in, Caesar Gracie brought him in to be the new head instructor. And I saw his style of jujitsu and I was like, oh, wow. Like that's, that's the kind of jujitsu I want. That's what I want to be doing. Um, and then, and here we are, it's, I'll be going on to 15 years wow. uh, in October. Um, yeah, it's crazy ride. Like I, I literally went from not knowing what it was to now this is like my, my livelihood and, yeah. um, definitely 15 year old me would not have guessed that I would be here now on a podcast talking about how I do just for a living and talking go. about mental health, which is again, super important to me as well. Oh, yeah. But so I think you made a good trade, you know, boy, bye, you know, so obviously there's not a whole lot of female black belts out there. Um, there's not a whole lot of females in general in jujitsu. So what's it like? Do y'all compete? Are you able to find good matches? That, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I definitely, uh, so I've, I've stepped away from the competition okay. area. Um, 
especially I think I was trying to make a comeback, I guess, because I had gone into MMA after receiving my black belt. Mm-hmm. And so in 2018, I was trying that out. Um, and then I did my first amateur MMA fight, loved it. Um, and then the pandemic happened. Um, so that was really tough. Um, I also, right after that MMA fight, I, you know, met a person who was a big fan of mine and just sent me memes all the time. And now he's my boyfriend. Uh, (laughs) Uh, so of course that has its own struggles. I've, I've, for some reason, I just really love long distance relationships. Um, I think I'm too clingy for, for that to, to work, uh, if we lived in the same town. Uh, (laughs) Um, but so I definitely stepped away from it, but at the time that I was competing at the highest level, um, I would say like 2012, I was a purple belt, um, to like 2018, we'll say. Mm -hmm. So that was like my, my big run. And I was, my only goal was to be a world champion. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to make it happen in Nogi at Brown Belt, um, but I was never able to get the actual title. But, you know, when you get your black belt, it's like, well, I was a white belt and I wanted to be a black belt world champion. Those were my, those were my idols. Those are the people that I wanted to look up to and like follow their footsteps. Um, because after I trained with Homolo, I trained with Cobrian. Uh, and then I went to Marcelo Garcia's and then I went back to Cobrina. So I got my black belt under Cobrina, but I was promoted under all three of them at some point. And so those people are the people that I looked up to like, yes, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to sacrifice everything so that I can win titles and teach seminars and, you know, just be that badass in magazines. Um, mm-hmm. And so you wonder like, what were the motivations back then? Um, and so I, I was really hard on myself during that time of, of competing. And if I lost, which was a lot, I mean, you lose a lot in jujitsu, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it hurt me a lot, you know, um, and I didn't have the tools to cope. And so, you know, being a competitor is, is amazing. It brings things out of you that like you cannot find anywhere else. Competition scares the shit out of me. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it always will. It always has. And I, I like that about it. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I stepped away obviously, and now I'm in grad school for sports psychology. And so that's kind of my focus is to work with combat sport athletes who were like myself. Um, maybe they weren't motivated by the right things. They get really nervous. They have pre-existing conditions. Like I have generalized anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. So these things were, were like in my way of being a good competitor. So now I'm focused on helping those people get over those barriers and, and as trite as it is, like be their best selves. Um, (laughs) So I just really want to make sure that people do get into competition. They win, they achieve their goals, but they do it in a healthy manner because I didn't always have the right tools to do it. Uh, And I suffered more than most people, I think, because I'm really sensitive. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will cry and fight you at the same time. Um, And a lot of people are like, wait, that's weird. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's just, it's also natural. It's how I deal with things. You might scream and fight people uh, out of anger. And I'm just like, ah, it's too much information uh, overload. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, definitely what drew me to competition or to jujitsu was competition. It kept me completely engaged for so many years until I got to the point where I was like, yeah, this isn't exactly the the route that I want, but I've mm-hmm. switched gears and now I'm still in it. You okay. 
Yeah, uh, competition is like, I mean, that was my everything. I'm, I'm slowing down too as well. Um, I am focusing more on teaching. I, I have a co-head professor um, position here in, um, in Florida, in the Pensacola area of Florida. So like, I'm not, I'm like, it's like they like to call it South Alabama. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> yeah, we're very much still in the South. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, there aren't as many, um, there aren't as many women in jujitsu in this area. Like I definitely mm -hmm. like being in California, living there and, and, um, yeah, being spoiled even I'm not in Southern California I was in Northern California but even then like very very rich in jiu-jitsu culture um there were um like now there's a lot of women but when I first started yeah I was the only I was the only woman on the mat um didn't you know I I was only able to run into other women who trained um if I was competing against them you know I think you and Aaron were talking about this right before the interview started and you know and I've met some of the best people through competition i.e Aaron right like um and I I've I've met you know my bestie for life um by fighting her twice <laughs> you know and and there were only two of us you know in this in this tournament and so and it's very common especially um like I think in our generation where we kind of came up fighting the same women over and over and over again. Um, good example for me was like Patty Fontes, like been fighting each other since Purple Belt all the way through, you know, brown and in black and, you know, and beyond. And um, and now I think like our, our focuses are changed now. So we don't, we don't really run into each other anymore. But, um, you know, and, and even now it's like, now, whenever I do decide to compete, I'm competing against women who, when I was already like brown or black, they were like blue or purple, you know? And, and so I'm, I'm now on the receiving end, like, oh my God, I'm so, you know, like, you know, I've been, I've been following you since you were a blue belt. And I'm like, oh my God, that's crazy, you know? Um, and, and to like realize that I'm in that position where I've had that impact is like so bizarre. Cause I've, I've again, like I had never imagined that for myself at a younger age. Um, you know, same, same thing with Aaron. Like I never really competed in anything. I never competed in any sports. Um, I did dancing since I was five, um, all the way up. And then that first time I competed in anything was actually in break dancing, but it's not same thing. It's not like a traditional sport. Um, so like actually like competing for like a medal and for first, second, you know, all that, like it wasn't like with actual like referees and like, you know, structure, um, you know, and not, not just you know, punching each other where it's like, oh, unanimous decision. No, like there is a, there's an arm raised and, you know, it's, it was jujitsu, like really like, and, and I really, really dived into it because uh, I don't know, like I have always just been competitive in nature. And I think at a young age, I was, um, let's see, deterred from it or not deterred. Um, what's the word? Um, I wasn't really encouraged, discouraged um, from, from competition. Like, oh, that's not very ladylike, you know, um, you know, ladies should be gentle, they should be kind, they should be soft and, and, you know, docile and, and all these things that I just was not that I was always very competitive, like there's something wrong with me. Um, and so being in jujitsu and being a woman jujitsu is so empowering because I get, to, I get to compete alongside other women who are just like me, um, who probably grew up with the same way, like feeling maybe a little like, I don't say outcasted, but like we kind of just felt like we didn't really quite belong. And then now we found each other. And now some of like, I, I never really had close, close, close um, girlfriends or, you know, and, until I, until jujitsu came along, you know, or martial arts in general, but like, yeah, I, like now that there's like women's open mats and there's um, women's only seminars that like, I, I had not, did not imagine these things would be possible when I was a white belt. And so I think what's really cool is like now we have a podcast where, you know, it's 
featuring three women in the sport. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any of us would have imagined that when we were white belts. Mm-hmm. Oh no, for sure not. I think you pointed out, because I'm from the, the deep South, you know, Mississippi, <laughs> where I started out doing Taekwondo and stuff. Cause like you, I, was definitely not, you know, docile, submissive. I was, you want to fight me, bro? You know, I'm going, let's go. <laughs> come, at so, come at me. <laughs> and so I was Don't an itty bitty. No, I was an itty bitty kid. I I actually did a Sparta kick off for a boy making fun of my sister on the playground. So that's amazing. Yeah. So it was definitely not going to be a, uh, oh, just sit still, look pretty. But so martial arts has always been a part of my journey and it has been very uh, helpful for me and, you know, just in life and learning what I can, you know, can overcome. And, and also looking back after getting some, some therapy and realizing what was going on in my crazy brain, I was actually self-medicating and self-helping. And so that's uh, one reason why I'm so passionate about mental health advocacy uh, what what got y'all interested in it? I know you're, uh, Aaron, you're in sports psychology, mm-hmm. but what got you transitioned to think that way specifically? Um, well, I have my own experiences with uh, mental illness and it it was a lot of, and I'm still figuring it out about my, my childhood and why I was the way I was, but I was just always known as like a difficult child. And I went to a private school when I was in like preschool to third and they were constantly, uh, I'm aging myself here, but they would constantly page my mother, um, (laughs) 911 and she'd call them from her work and they'd be like, Aaron's standing up on the toilet seats. And my mom would be like, was she using the bathroom while she was standing on the seats? No, she was playing hide and go seek. And it's like, okay, bro obviously I'm just trying to not have my feet seen. Like I'm just smart. All right. So I went uh, to get my uh, ADHD diagnosis because they told my mom, like, you should definitely go get her checked. And my pediatrician at the time, and I think I was like five, was like, Mm -hmm. nah, she doesn't have ADD. She's just smart. Um, And so my parents were like, nice. (laughs) We got a smart kid. She's weird. And she requires so much extra attention and we don't know why, but at least she's smart. So, you know, I was obviously like Australian shepherd, (laughs) Australian shepherd, right? Like I need a job to do. In fact, in preschool, you're supposed to nap, right? Uh, Everyone, you know, you have that the period where you're like, cool, everybody uh, sleeps on what I don't even remember, like mats or something. I don't cots or something, but there's a sleeping period. And then they're like, they, they tell my mom, they're like, she won't sleep. And I'm like five, right? And I have a very active brain. Um, and I think that's also one of the issues with females with ADHD. It goes often diagnosed because it's internal um, mm. rather than like something that you can see. Like like boys are always yeah. all over the place and they're like, ha ha, and they're jumping on stuff. And like, I did do some of that, but a lot of my symptoms were like internal, where it was like worrying about rejection, worrying about like having an overactive brain of like just thinking about everything all the time. So, I mean, you know, we, we sit there and joke about how when you're 3am trying to sleep and you're thinking about that embarrassing conversation you had, I'm pretty sure I had those going on at like five. Mm-hmm. So the solution was my mom said, give her uh, a paper towel and some Windex and have her clean the tables. So I literally got a job to do and like it solved it because they were like, well, if Aaron's not going to sleep and she's probably going to disrupt all the other kids trying to sleep, we'll just tell her to be quiet and go clean the tables. So that was my first foray, I guess, into like 
being different um, Mm -hmm. without even realizing it. But I was always very, very difficult. And I always had, um, if I could get like an A or a B in my class, it would still say talks too much. Cause I would, you know, do my, my work. And then I would just go turn to my friend and be like, what's going on? Like, I can't, I have to say all my thoughts out loud. So I was very disruptive in that, in that way. Um, and then as I got older, especially like puberty and, and like middle school, high school, I got really, really sensitive to like rejection and, mm-hmm. uh, trying to be different, but also struggling with making friends. And so that's why I found the hardcore scene. And I kind of, I was like, I never wanted to be part of a, a, a crew. Like I never, I had a, a group of friends that were all these girls that were from like Girl Scouts uh, mm-hmm. when I was in like elementary school. And I could, I probably could have stuck with their group, you know, middle school, high school, everything. But I, I just was always like, I'm different. Okay. So I would hang out with one group every other day, you know, a different group. And so Cascade Platinum Plus cleans so well, all you have to do is just scrape, load, and you're done. Your dishes will shine with no pre-wash or re-wash needed, leaving you more time for the things that let you truly express yourself. Because that's when you shine the brightest. A proud sponsor of Can't Cancel Pride 2023, Cascade celebrates those who shine with pride all month and all year. Learn more at can'tcancelpride.com. An important message from Blue Ridge Hospice. There may be several hospices now claiming to serve the area, but Blue Ridge Hospice is the only local hospice that has been serving here for 40 plus years, operates the only hospice inpatient care center, conducts the only community-wide grief and bereavement programs, offers a nationally recognized music therapy program in conjunction with Shenandoah University, outscores every other Virginia hospice in Medicare's quality scores, and so much more. Blue Ridge Hospice, the first, the best. Find out more at blueridgehospice.com. Finding jujitsu again, like I was weird and I was like, cool, they accept my weird as long as I'm able to do the technique and and whatnot. Um, And it's very creative, but I had a lot of issues with depression, anxiety. So um, I finally went to a doctor because there was a Craigslist study. I was in college. It was like my first year of jujitsu. And they were like, hey, uh, we'll pay you 500 bucks if you take this drug. You won't know if it's the real drug or the placebo, but you'll just check in with us every week. You'll come in, you'll fill out an assessment um, about your anxiety. And what's interesting is I got my diagnosis through that diagnosis because they were like, yep, you fit. Um, And then I remember there being questions about depression and I I didn't want to compromise the ability to be in the study and get get the money at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I was like, well, they're obviously looking for anxiety. Like I'm super depressed too, but let's not tell them. And so that was kind of one of those things of like, I can't tell people that I'm depressed. Um, I can go on my AIM away messages and put really sad lyrics. And then when someone messages me, they're like, Hey, is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, it's totally fine. Um, because talking about your emotions and talking about your issues is such a stigma. Um, so obviously in, in jujitsu, me, having to face all of these issues that I had, because that's what jujitsu does. It puts you in very, very difficult positions and situations that you have to overcome literally every time you step on the mat. And some of those battles for me would just be finding a partner. Um, Mm -hmm. Just being like, oh my God, Alex is going with Stephanie today. I thought I was going to go with Alex. And I would literally just leave and go cry in the bathroom because I thought that everyone hated me. So that's the idea of what I was dealing with in my brain. So it was not by choice that I was like, yes, mental health. Um, Mm -hmm. It was obviously just my brain doing it for me. But what put me on the side of like, wow, I could be a voice is when my, my dad died. Mm -hmm. 
So mm. uh, 2015, I was living in Jersey and my dad died by suicide and mm. he shot himself at my home in, uh, in California. And it was just like, wow, this is really complicated. Like what I didn't see this coming. My dad and I didn't have a great relationship at all, but wow, like all that you see the wake right? Of everything, all the ripples of everything that happens after a suicide that makes people feel guilty and confused and just so sad. And the biggest feeling I had was like this big picture of zooming out of like, wow, suicide fucking sucks. Suicide is horrible. Like it, it's not just horrible for the person that did it. I mean, to me, it was like, you know, my dad made a choice. He did the choice. He did the Mm -hmm. thing, thing was completed. And that's why we say, we don't, we don't say commit suicide. We say, completed you either Mm -hmm. attempt or you complete it's not a crime right Right. and so that's another thing I grappled with was like wow my dad murdered himself this is murder and you know going into all of these ideas of it so I was like well I'm going to put it out there and I'm going to put a GoFundMe for the National Alliance on Mental Illness in lieu Mm -hmm. of like condolences and all that stuff I was like let's do something let's be action oriented about it so um yes we raised money for them but the biggest part was all these people coming out of the woodwork and being like I suffer from those suicidal ideations or my mom died by suicide or, you know, this community kind of came out and was like, yeah, I've been there. So me having my own personal experience along with having the experience of my dad's suicide kind of meant like, wow, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for me who feels more sound and I know because I had the jujitsu outlet and everything Mm -hmm. to help other people. Right. Mm -hmm. And then obviously as it went on, it was like, wow, I can help other people learn to deal with their own anxieties. And of course, I'm, I didn't want to go into clinical psychology, but I definitely wanted to help people in the sense of what are you trying to achieve and what are those barriers? So that was very, it's very specific. Mm-hmm. And then working with combat sports athletes, it helps me to say, yeah, I've been there. I've done that. I know the difficulties. Um, it's not an organized sport in the sense that you have like people that are like, hey, you need to do this, this, this uh, the interdisciplinary teams, right. You have to go find that for yourself. You want to get a nutritionist. You got to go find one. If you want to get a strength and conditioning coach, you got to go find one. Um, and so a lot of it is just DIY and I did it myself as well. So I know the struggles and, um, the struggles are obviously hard as they are, Mm -hmm. but when you have any mental illness or just mental health, uh, issues at all, that you don't need a, a diagnosis, um, everyone goes through grief, plateaus, um, burnout, all those, then that's what I can help with. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that's a very like doable thing of like, we're going to attack this just as we would attack this position or attack this submission or, you know, work to get out of bad positions. So mm-hmm. it's very easy for me to like, look at the trajectory of how the mental health issues kind of brought me to where I'm at, but I definitely could have been a drug user. I could have been like uh, an addict or homeless or whatever. My mom would never, ever let that happen. But mm-hmm. um, I have a really good support system, obviously. And um, I, I rely on that and I know how important it is. So, you know, the community of females is really important because there's very uh, isolated um, experiences that women feel. Mm-hmm. So then I also built, so I would say that my, my support system is a bunch of females who are weird and have had their own traumas and struggles. And a lot of them have been diagnosed with mental health issues. And I'm like, wow, we're so, we have so much in common. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I found, I found my people within 
the community within a smaller community within a smaller community. And mm -hmm. it's been amazing. Yeah, I also have like my own personal struggles with with mental illness as well. Uh, I mean, from a young age, I just like something's wrong, <laughs> you know, and if I can talk about it, you know, I, I got same thing. It's highly stigmatized, especially in Asian culture. Um, I can't say I'm sad. I can't say, oh, like, you know, I, I have low energy today or I feel like, man, I have a hard time getting out of bed. You know, it was just often met with, oh, you're just lazy or you're not trying hard enough or you just want attention. You know, and I was, you know, preteen, I'd say it started, I started becoming a little bit more aware of like how bad things were like preteen and then the teenage years. Um, I remember the first time I attempted suicide, I was 15. I think my first time knowing someone um, uh, who completed suicide was I was 14. And I just remember that like, it's kind of like my whole world came apart, you know, like, oh, this is like, this is real, you know, and, and I, I feel like there was so much internalized with me, though there's like feeling so close to like that feeling, but not knowing what it was until knowing actually someone um, who did it. And then seeing what it left behind of the people who were very close to close to him. And like, and I would, like, if I think about it now, I was like, man, I was just like a blip in this person's life. But the impact of that person's uh, presence in my life for how, how small or insignificant it was at that time uh, was huge. You know, it was, it was like this huge unraveling. And, and I couldn't really understand at the time. And I'm sure everyone around me really couldn't understand why is she so sad about mm -hmm. this? You know, like she wasn't even that close to him, you know, or, you know, he, she, you know, she only knew him for, for so long. And, and it was just more of like, oh, wow, this is, this is a real thing. And, um, and I just remember like uh, 15 after the first time I attempted, and I remember waking up the next day, I was like, fuck, I woke up. I wasn't supposed mm -hmm. to wake up and going to school, like nothing had happened, mm. you know, and, and hearing the comments from people like, oh man, Christina, you look like shit. You look crappy. You know, like I was pale, you know, like I took a good amount of pills and they just, it just didn't work. I was sick mm -hmm. the whole day. Um, and, and I just had to pretend like it was just a normal day. I had to pretend like everything was fine. I, you know, yeah, that, that, that experience was like, I tried pills and I, and I, and I, I wasn't brave enough to cut deep enough into my own wrist. So I remember bandaging my wrist that day too. And people were like, Hey, what's up with your wrist? I'm like, Oh, nothing, you know, just hiding my wrist. And, and I, I remember just like, I remember even writing, writing my, my, uh, my good, goodbye letters as well. And like, Oh, well, we're just going to keep this in a journal and we're going to put that away and we're going to bury it. And we're not going to talk about it. Um, and I wasn't until I was, I want to say maybe closer to 18 where I actually was able to get like actual help where my parents were like, oh, wow, we believe you now you're actually sick, you know, okay. and it took for them to see me have like a full on like mental breakdown in the car on the way to, um, was supposed to go to like an open house for, um, an art academy that I, um, university I wanted to go to, mm -hmm. um, and, um, and having this whole you know, breakdown in, in the car and they're like, yeah, you need help. And I'm like, I've been trying to fucking tell you guys I've been needing help. And on all you've been telling me is that it's just in your head and you just want attention and, and you're just lazy or you're spoiled. 
And this is the first time that I was like, okay, they finally actually believe me because I'm ha- I'm having this full on meltdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was when I was first started, being able to, you know, receive medication. And I first started, you know, I started off with a psychologist and they're like, oh no, no, she needs to see a psychiatrist. You know, I was telling them like, yeah, there's times when my anxiety gets so bad that I feel like I want to throw myself out of a speeding car. You know, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd rather do that than feel what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and it took a lot of like realizing that there's a lot of things that, ha- that bad that had happened to me, but I had blocked them out or had blamed myself for these things for happening. And so it wasn't until I was like, maybe my, my, my mid twenties, like 26, I think is when I first started talking more openly about my mental health. And it actually wasn't even with the purpose of actually talking about mental health. I was talking about my experiences with sexual assault. And that opened up the conversation to mental health. It was like, oh my God, because of these traumatic things, you know, so we have PTSD, we have, we have depression, we have anxiety, we have, you know, suicide ideation all the time. Um, and, and then, and then on top of that, because I didn't have the tools to cope or understand like, man, I'm actually in danger. So I'm just going to put myself in these dangerous situations. And so therefore bad things had happened to me, which again, was not my fault, but mm-hmm. just poorly poorly like managed um mental health uh which led to other you know again like which led to sexual assault and and so it took for me to have that to start talking about I, we, we had a I think during that time was when the um the Maldonado uh case was going out with um him and I can't remember the other person but like raping raping a teammate on New Year's mm-hmm. Eve and and so that was like a big a big like thing waking in the community where it's just like I need to talk about my experiences with sexual assault and that started me off in the right direction of like becoming more vocal about also my struggles with mental health um I started wanting to be coached like doing like the mental um the mental training aspect of jiu-jitsu as well you know it took for me to have a panic attack um at a tournament for me to be like, okay, I need to do, I need to do this mental training. Mm-hmm. And that opened up avenues to doing like more self-help stuff. Um, I went and did like the Hoffman process, which was kind of like this, you know, 10, uh, 10 day retreat where you go off and essentially you, you trace back to like, okay, these patterns and these, and these, these things that you picked up from your parents and, and, you know, it's part of your programming and like trying to like unprogram, like, you know, reprogram ourselves so that we can love ourselves mm-hmm. and, 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 and um, essentially forgive ourselves and be more compassionate to ourselves and to our, our parents or to our guardians or whoever it is that, that, that raised us um, so that we can let go of those patterns and, and we can adopt our authentic self. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just, I think it took for a lot of these like really, um, I guess, life-shaking moments that were happening around me for me to be like, Christina, you need to wake up and you need to talk um, because it's happening to other people. And, and I think part of me was just like, well, maybe if I start talking, you know, I can't do anything for the 13-year-old version of myself, right? 13-year-old me, she got traumatized, she got hurt, she got harmed. Um, but maybe if I'm talking, maybe that might help 13-year-old somewhere else or mm-hmm. 12-year-old somewhere else. You know, um, maybe it might help them start the conversation um, with with a peer or with a guardian or, you know, like a, a parent, teacher, uh, coach, you know, like we are in uh, we are in, in, um, in coaching positions now. And so it is really important that like we be that because I don't I know I didn't have that growing up and and that mentorship is so important. 
Um, and, and so it's terrible that we went through the things that we went through. I mean, I don't want to be like, oh, but at least there's all this good stuff. Like we're not trying to be silver lining it and, you know, mm-hmm. be all positive. Like those things were just really crap. Like it, it, they should not have happened, but we also did not have the tools and the people around us did not have the tools. Um, and so I think this is just our way of like being able to pay forward, um, making sure that I, I, I mean, I'm not going to say that I want to go save lives, but I, I definitely want to have an impact so that, um, again, we do have a community where it's just like, you're not alone. Um, and Aaron is doing a really good job with, with the stigma and they're, they're doing like their um, peer support and their peer, peer support um, like seminars or webinars. Um, and and it's, it's crazy, you know, that again, I used to be in one place where I just felt so alone and now we have a community and we can make a change, we can make a difference. And, mm-hmm. and that's why it's like, it's so important because I know I am in a position where I am a leadership position. And I, again, I never thought I was going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just want to, I just want to make 13 year old me proud. <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, I'm, I'm not a black belt, by, but I've got several, probably a, two decades before that happens, who knows, but um, I am, th- I'm grateful. I have an opportunity to touch the lives of kids every single day. Cause I teach high school and I, middle school. I used to teach seventh and 11th grade. So I got the drama on both ends. Um, but I have had so many kids who they just were feeling bad and they asked me their story. They asked for my story and they told me theirs. And um, I thought, oh, it's not professional for me to share my journey. It's not professional. You know, they're going to think I'm weird. Somehow I'm going to get fired because I shared, you know, that mm-hmm. I did, you know, I attempted and I survived. And, but when I shared that story with the kids, we had a full on, I think we had like, 16 girls just start crying and then they said oh my goodness miss you know miss willis i would have never thought that i thought if anyone can keep it together it's miss willis and i i joked i said it's because i'm on meds that's why i'm always so happy (laughs) (laughs) and so they uh but it just opened up the door to have conversations that they were so afraid to have with people, especially adults. And so I think being, you know, in any kind of leadership position, whether it's in a, a classroom uh, like myself or on the mats in a classroom in that way, it's just, we have been given such a unique and amazing opportunity to say something and that open a door. You know, it could be, hey, are you all right today? Or it could be, hey, uh, I love your hairstyle. And that might just be enough to just, open a door to a conversation. You never know what might happen. And uh, it's always so encouraging to me when you have those conversations, if they leave just a little bit lighter, you know, it just, just a little bit and that might lead them somewhere. And uh, so, and I know uh, you have a great organization, Submit the Stigma. I'd love to hear what's, you know, specifically with jujitsu, obviously. So what's, what's like, what is that all about? How can people get involved? Those sorts of things. Yeah, so Submit the Stigma started right after, um, it was my first competition back after my dad died. Um, it was also my first brown belt competition. So that was, it was huge. Also, it was no gi. <laughs> so I had a lot of things like going against because I was such a gi girl, as I say. Um, and then I was training at Marcelo's in New York and he was like, it's all jujitsu, whether you do gi or no gi. And everybody mm-hmm. who did the gi classes did the no gi classes and it was just normal, right? It was almost like destigmatizing nogi. Um, and so I did, I did the nogi pans in New York. Um, and I don't really know. I think I had the intention of trying to bring up something of submit the stigma 
because I came up with the hashtag. I didn't intend for it to be a campaign. Mm -hmm. I intended for it to just be something that I could speak up against, um, you know, mental health, mental issues that, that are being looked at as weak. Right. And mm -hmm. that's always going to be the, the issue that I have. And similar to what Christina was saying is like, yeah, we have actual issues. And just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it's not there. We aren't just weak or soft or wanting attention. Um, and, and one of the biggest things is that when people say, oh, she just wants attention. It's like, yeah, <laughs> she does. She needs help. Um, yeah. she doesn't know how to ask for it. Um, and so obviously knowing what it was like to be that person that wanted to just scream out and say, I fucking hate my life, uh, to like, people are going to be like, Whoa, dude. Whoa. Um, to trying to communicate what I needed to say without it scaring people off. Mm -hmm. And so it was sort of like, you know what, I'm going to put myself behind this hashtag of hashtag submit the stigma. Um, because this is rampant. It's ruining my life. I can't get help. I can't speak about it. I can't find my people, um, unless I can really state what the issue is here. And that's mm -hmm. mental illness, um, and, and mental health and, and all the stigma against it. And so when I, when I was competing, um, I was actually up and I was in the final and I was up by seven zero and then I got submitted. And of course that's like crushing. Cause it's like, <sighs> here I am like, I'm going to do the thing. I'm going <laughs> to win the gold. And then all of a sudden I get arm barred. It was against an MMA fighter. You can never uh, count them out. No, uh, they're always looking for, for submissions. So the last course, bit yeah! <laughs> right. They're just like, I don't care what position I mean. She was in bottom side control and then like armbarred me. Um, so, <laughs> I, so in the moment though, I was I was like, oh my God, all of these things are, are coming to a head. I was supposed to win. I was supposed to like not have to lose my dad to suicide. I was, you know, all these things were there. And so I remember I found a piece of paper. I went to the IBJJF and I was like, I need a piece of paper and I need a pen because they didn't have a marker. So mm -hmm. while I was off in the stands, literally crying and just like scribbling out this message on a piece of paper. Uh, my podium happened. Cascade Platinum Plus cleans so well, all you have to do is just scrape, load, and you're done. Your dishes will shine with no pre-wash or re-wash needed, leaving you more time for the things that let you truly express yourself. Because that's when you shine the brightest. A proud sponsor of Can't Cancel Pride 2023, Cascade celebrates those who shine with pride all month and all year. Learn more at can'tcancelpride.com. We make USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at usaa.com slash bundle. USAA. Restrictions apply. Um, and I wasn't able to get on the podium to hold the sign because I was busy making the sign. Mm. Now, this made me really upset. Uh, and I didn't really get too upset till after anyone who has competed in New York knows that that gym that we, that the, the city college is not big. Nope. And whenever you're missing people from a podium, you don't just go, ah, fuck her. You go find her. It's always been that way. Like if you want a full podium, you can walk around and just go find them. I was in the stands scribbling and crying 
And, and I got called out on social media because I didn't show up for the podium. So Jeez. me crying after losing from being up on point just looked like I was a sore loser. Yeah. And that I was like, you know, screw her. I'm not going to give her the satisfaction of being on the podium. Not the case um, mm-hmm. at all. But in the meantime, it was like, man, I missed my opportunity. Guess I got to do the absolute. So I did the absolute. Um, I ended up losing to Maisa Bastos and um, I, I ended up getting just default third. So I was mm-hmm. like, perfect. So I, I held the sign and I, you know, I, I, I held my, my sign on the uh, third place podium. And from there it started, you know, other people, I had asked them just cause they were, they supported me. I said, can you hold it up? So it started getting some traction and then um, a few months later, I did the Nogi Worlds and I ended up winning. And that's when I got to hold it. And I had other people who I'd never met say, can I hold it too? I and it was it. like, yep, Christina held it. Um, and I think uh, Angelica Galvao was on the podium and held it as well. And that was big. And it was like, whoever touched the sign, you know, like Patty Fontes as well. It was like, yeah, it was like, I remember wow, we all three of yeah. us held it together real because we were Patty Fontes, Chelsea, Chelsea mm-hmm. Bainbridge, yeah, or Chelsea Donner, and then um, yeah. and then me. We're all there. Yep. Oh, that exactly. was a, that was that was a hard that, day. That was that was just that was yeah, it was heavy, but it was like wow, other people are literally carrying the weight with me of, mm-hmm. of this sign. Um, and then from there, we we worked on getting it into a five hundred one c three nonprofit. Mm-hmm. My sister helped there. And for a while, it was just like, I'm just going to run seminars and I'm going to try to take my network that I have because I worked for Gracie Mag for a few years and I interviewed all the best guys and females. And it was like, wow, I have this network again. Like I said, before we started this, this interview, it was like, I just hit up people. My idols on Facebook was like, can I do an interview with you? This is like 2010, 2011. So I was, using, I was like, well, I'm going to do a big old thing at studio 540 um, and after pans. And I got, it was Christina, um, Gianni Grippo, Kyle Teja, Hamalo Bahal, Clark Gracie, and, um, and uh, Abraham Marte. And all of them were at this event. There was a hundred people. I had flow grappling there filming That's it. Awesome. I had jujitsu. I had, you know, it was just this big old thing that people were supporting. And I was like, wow, you know, whether they're doing it for me or they're doing it for the actual, you know, mental health, uh, you know, destigmatization process, then that I, I didn't care. It was, it was mm-hmm. amazing. And I did a few more. Um, and, and today we finally revamped it because, you know, when I first did the whole legal part of it, it was just like, yeah, my mom's the treasure, my sister's the, cause I didn't expect it to be this, this big. Um, mm-hmm. and so my, my partner, uh, Valerie Rousseau, who's now Valerie Sassonic, who's just got married, but she is my partner in crime. We don't do crime, but that's just like the way to say it. Um, we do <laughs> the opposite of crime. Um, and so we have a whole big workshop now that we are teaching every month called Mental Health Conscious Academy. And so it's for, right now it's for the more influential people like the owners and the coaches. So um, people who can influence others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how to be more cognizant of when people are struggling. And just like you said, just being able to say, hey, how are you? And actually care, approach mm-hmm. them in a way that is non-judgmental. That is like, maybe bring them over to a safer place to talk. And then you, you, you reach out with empathy. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that can look like we do, we do role-playing to make sure mm-hmm. that you get like real, really certified in that. We know that 
you would be able to handle it uh, approaching someone as like a peer support situation. Um, and so if someone on the mat is not able to focus or they leave early or you stop, they stop showing up, there's always different flags that you can notice out of stress and anxiety or whatever it may be. And it's just, Hey, I noticed that you're a little off. I'm, I'm, you know, concerned about you. Is everything okay? And then that, whether they, whether they spill their beans or not, you are offering an open door, as you said, <laughs> and that makes things lighter. Um, and you know, we're, we're, there's a lot of traditional ideas of jujitsu that, you know, you leave your ego at the door. When you step on the mat, you forget about everything else. And I'm like, that's ideal. That's ideal, yeah. but it's, but it's not what's going to happen. You know, someone who is incredibly stressed or is dealing with a loss, maybe they lost their job or their mom or a friend or whatever. I mean, like, it's very hard to just completely ignore it on the mm -hmm. mat. And a lot of times when we're tested on the mat, uh, it comes out, you know, in other ways. And so mm -hmm. just having these academies and communities that understand that and understand that people are going to struggle and that it's okay. And that you are not alone has been the biggest, I guess, value add that Submit the Stigma has been able to do for the community. And we're also working on, you know, really creating an ambassador program that is peer support that when you go to a tournament and you're feeling nervous, you can go talk to someone like this or just mm -hmm. within their own academy but just making a community that values emotion and, mm -hmm. and values the fact that like, just because you feel a certain way does not mean you're weak or you're not strong, especially in competition, oh, in yeah. competition loss, right? Loss is huge. You it's either me or you buddy. And, and, you know, I could put everything out there and I could still lose because there are things that we cannot control. And so understanding that and understanding that, look, just because you did your best and you didn't win doesn't mean that you're not good enough. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so just these reassuring things that if I can spread these messages and have other people and other coaches meet people where they're at and acknowledge that empathy can really bridge people together um, without having to fully understand their situation, I think is the biggest thing for Submit the Stigma. And, and Christina has really helped out as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember like the first time I ever did anything with Submit the Sigma was when when you had me hold the sign at a at the Nogi Worlds. That was my first major as a black belt. I remember going in and and I had like two panic attacks that day. Uh, it was terrible. Uh, probably one of my worst performances in Nogi. It's probably one of the main reasons why I don't compete at like Nogi Worlds anymore. Um, <laughs> And you know, there have, been, there have been a bunch of other Nogi uh, tournaments that happened after that, that I had I had competed that, that I just should not have had because there was just so much anxiety tied to it. But I just remember like, yeah, like that day, I remember like being on that podium and holding the Submit the Stigma sign. And I had just finished like 20 minutes of just crying my eyes out because I had a panic attack like right before, uh, right before my, my, uh, my, my second match. And, um, and I just remember like, panic is happening um and like everything's getting loud um I'm like hyper aware of my surroundings and everything in me was just like I don't want to be here I need to, I need to leave I don't want to I don't want to be here and I was like well I have to get onto this mat and you know I got submitted and I like you know shook I shook her hand you know went off and I'm just like <gasps> like straight beeline to outside to start crying and it wasn't even that I was sad about losing it was just like I was just panicking I was just so mm -hmm just it could not function and um 
And, you know, for, for me, um, my body kind of seizes up a little bit. I kind of have to stay in this position. I can't move for a little bit. Once it, once it goes, I just kind of let it pass. And I, I feel like, uh, they still had to have like uh, the finals match for the, for the division. Cause it was just me, Patty and Chelsea. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think by the time that that was done, like, you know, like, okay, it's time to take, you know, go for the podium and like, they're calling you. I'm like, okay. You know, like I finally had released and, you know, got up there and like, <laughs> holding the sign <laughs> with like you know smiling <laughs> you know like I just you know clean snot and tears it's off all good eyes. it's all yeah, good it's fine it's fine <laughs> you know it was it was just terrible you know like I I, I think that day I was like one 110 I was 110 pounds that day like so like toxic relationship bad weight cut just did not want to be there all of it just terrible and, and so it's not that I was in denial about what my mental state was, but I was still kind of a little bit in denial about as much of the, I already did work ahead of time. Like, again, like I, 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 it's not like I don't know, but yeah, I was still kind of like a little bit in denial about like talking about things, even though I was already pretty open. Um, so then when Aaron brought up like, Hey, I'm thinking about, you know, you know, doing this thing with like the seminar every day and I'm like oh yeah count me in you know like say say less right? <laughs> um you know and 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 um and and it was just it was just easy you know like it, you know whatever Aaron asked me to do it was just like okay like I'm your ride or die but we don't die <laughs> yeah <laughs> we just ride we're ready for it though. yeah yeah we're ready we're ready and so whatever whatever ideas Aaron had I and and this is not just just admit the stigma I think literally any idea Erin has like hey what do you think about this I'm like okay you know, yes. when she had the um like was it the um uh inverted z what was your zine called yeah uh, pulling, pulling, pulling guard, guard zine. pulling guard zine I love she had, it. when she did that she's like hey would you be interested on in doing you know I'm like yeah let's do it you know wow, you did a whole series of videos on inverted guard yeah yep. and it's and, still on um, youtube still on youtube and um i don't know it's just like aaron like once we like i don't know just once we connected it was just like we were like that and um and and, and again like it was just ha it was just nice having a person that just made me feel so seen and like yeah and we're we're so weird we're, oh my god we're so weird mm -hmm. <laughs> we, mm -hmm. we um yeah oh Yes, we're so weird. But you also had me doing things with you because you're yeah. like, I'm going to do this Inspire Open Mag. Yeah. And I was like, yep, I'm going to cover it for Gracie Mag. I'm going to come to your house. We're going to spend the weekend together. I'm going to make pupusas or whatever they were. Oh, uh, yeah. We, well, pastels, pastels. Pastel, yeah. Yeah. Uh, pastel. We, we made like these Brazilian stuff like with her oh, family. Man. Like I just was part of her family. And then also the same. Like if she comes down to my house, it's, it's the same. And it's just, it's like, having someone who wants to be action oriented and being like, yes, how can I help? Like, cause the, the ideas that we both have have always been for other people. I think mm -hmm. it's always yeah. been with other people in mind, even, even when we're like doing weird stuff or, or like we, we record with where she sings and I sing and she plays her ukulele and we cover songs and we just want to like entertain people. And um, we once did an interview, a video interview at Ikea where <laughs> we made this guy follow us around to different rooms in Ikea while we 
answered questions. I love it. Um, yeah. And we talked about real stuff too. We talked about yeah. mental health. We talk about, you know, like trauma and we talk about jujitsu and, 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 and it's, it's like, man, like it doesn't always have to be like, Hey, we're going to talk about mental health now, you know, exactly. like, you know, like, because just because you're mentally ill does not mean like, oh my God, like she's a dark cloud all the time. Like she only had, like, that is like the big thing is like, oh, we can't talk about that because she's ill. And like, she dude, get upset. I'm a, yeah. yeah, we're alive. And like, yeah, like, you know, depression, anxiety, like, like mental illness has many faces. Oh gosh, and yes. yeah. And, you know, like, and, and especially like, again, we're, we're in leadership positions or we're in positions where we're, we're teaching or we're in front of people. And it's like, oh yeah, you're the last person I would ever thought, you know, you're smiling and you're, and you're so personable and you're so charismatic. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's like, yeah, you're like, how do you do it? I'm like, you know, like, I'll be anxious. I'd be so anxious. I'm like, Haha, I'm anxious all the time. That's my superpower. Yeah. You know, it's like the Hulk. Like, I'm always yeah, angry. Like the, yeah, exactly. The incredible Hulk. You know, like, how do you do that? I'm just always anxious. You know, um, and it's just like some people just wear it better than others. Um, and and yeah, and just because I have depression doesn't mean I'm sad all the time. It just means I do things and have fun. But yeah, I'm still kind of pushing myself to do it because I know that's the healthy thing to do. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, there's still rocks in my chest, you know, yeah. um, it doesn't mean that, you know, yeah, it doesn't mean that you're not smiling ever, you know, like we have like those, 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 those like, you know, depressed and it's like the, the poster and the kids like this, you know, sad, yeah, sad in the incredible. corner yeah. and like the, and the, you know, and it's like, that's not depression. Depression is, you know, you know, feeling detached from everybody and around you, not being able to feel um, mm-hmm. while you're at a party and you have a smile on your face and you're laughing at jokes, mm-hmm. you know, or you're, or you're having a, you know, having a, you're having a meal with your family or with people that you care and you don't feel anything sometimes, yeah. you know, uh, and, but you're, but you're smiling and you're there and you know, you got everything. You could have a great job and you can have great friends and great family and great everything, but yeah, depression doesn't care, <laughs> you know, anxiety doesn't <laughs> yep. care. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, like uh, submit the stigma has it's just been great because now, like, again, like I have gotten to meet people like Aaron, you know, um, and, and we just get to just be real. Um, you know, people like to use jujitsu as therapy, although it should not be a, a replacement for therapy yeah. It's very therapeutic. It's definitely something that Aaron talks about and Valerie talks about a lot, um, especially during like the, the peer support, um, uh, uh, webinars is, um, yeah, like jujitsu, as helpful as it is, as much as it does give us a community to, um, to turn to, it does give us a sense of belonging. It gives us a sense of uh, sometimes routine, um, gives us something to focus on. It has so many great outlets, um, but at the end of the day, it is therapeutic and not a, an actual placement for, for therapy. Um, you should see a professional if, if you have access to it, because it's, let's be honest, like healthcare in general, health in general is privilege. Um, and so sometimes having access to any kind of health care, whether it be mental health care or, um, you know, just regular general health care, um, so it is it is privileged. It's not easy to get a hold of. But um, mm-hmm. if we can have access to like, you know, free programs or sometimes there are like hotlines and things like that, but it mm-hmm. should not jujitsu as, as much as I'd love it should not be a replacement for actual therapy. Right. Correct. And for sure. And even if you do have means, you know, if you have, if you're, you know, graced with having health insurance through a job or your spouse, something like that, 
not, I don't know, for me, at least nine times out of 10, he- uh, mental health is not covered, yep. you know, so it's, and it's not cheap to have an actual good therapist who knows what he or she is doing, as opposed to these AIs that Silicon, Silicon Valley is kind of trying to push. A robot can't do, do the job, you know, it's got to be a person. And no, I'm, I'm right there with you that jujitsu is wonderful. It allows you to literally work out that stress and if it's not you just you know something about the combat sports there's just something very therapeutic yeah. about punching something in the face <laughs> so uh, <laughs> i'm just gonna i just need to cuddle people i need yeah. some oxytocin let oh, me take your back for for an hour hour and a half just let me just let me hug you please yes yes go to sleep need your go rage to sleep. yes just huh? channel that rage Dude, there, yes. was, there was an episode of uh bob's burgers and i don't watch it too often but i have had people be like you're so tina and there's, there's this scene where she goes and she, they all sleep in the same bed. And so she is saying, my mom sleeps there. My dad sleeps there. And then, and then it just shows her and she goes, and this is where I thrash. And it's just her going uh, 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 throughout the entire night while, while her family is sleeping in the same bed. Um, and there was something about that, that I was like, yeah, I, if only I had the option to thrash while I was growing up. If only I had that outlet to just go wild, to rage, to thrash, that's just a great word. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what jujitsu and, and MMA and, and kickboxing is for me now. It's like a place for me to thrash um, mm-hmm. because I feel that everyone needs some sort of, of outlet. And like, you know, it's just like my mom, my mom has been taking um, kickboxing longer than I have. Uh, of course, it's not actual kickboxing. It's cardio kickboxing. Yeah, but yeah. Rotate their body and punch the bag. Um. Cascade Platinum Plus cleans so well, all you have to do is just scrape, load, and you're done. Your dishes will shine with no pre-wash or re-wash needed, leaving you more time for the things that let you truly express yourself. Because that's when you shine the brightest. A proud sponsor of Can't Cancel Pride 2023, Cascade celebrates those who shine with pride all month and all year. Learn more at cantcancelpride.com. But it's cathartic. It's cathartic. It's still you know? cathartic, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean that you have like she's not worried about how to correctly punch. She's right. just worried about using her body and getting that like aggression out because mm-hmm. life is unfair and it's and it's awful sometimes. And of course it's amazing and it's great and there's all these great things, and we should always focus on those, but you cannot ignore the fact that either real, real issues or you just crashed your car or you're mm-hmm. dealing with you know job loss or you know your friends mad at you it doesn't matter mm-hmm. how small or big or how mental or physical it is because people get depressed over having an injury and not being able to go sure. back to their their sport as well um it's treating those as if they are real because they mm-hmm. are those feelings feelings are real feelings um are are very related to cognition and thoughts how we think about ourselves how we think about others it, it determines how we treat others, you know, mm-hmm. it determines yeah. how we feel in our world and how competent we feel. How um, do we feel in charge of our lives? Do we feel connected? Do we matter to those people that matter to us? Those are all very real concerns that people like to ignore. Um, it's like you go up to your coach and you're like, I'm so nervous and I'm so stressed. Like my mom's here and I haven't seen her in two years. And they just go, oh, just forget about it. Don't, don't think about it right yeah. just think about just don't think about it yeah. and i'm like you don't understand i don't know how to do that 
what does that look like? <laughs> right. So jujitsu is an application of certain things, but like, if you, people will be like, Oh, just calm down. And I'm like, what does that look like? <laughs> what does that look yeah. like? I honestly do not know what calm down means. Like well, it usually has the order? opposite effect anyway. Exactly. You know, like, yeah. well, hey, calm down. I am calm. Oh, right? calm down. Stop it. You know, it's stop just, telling me to calm down. I am yeah. calm. It, it's like, no, you need to give me a little more direction. Like what is, and, and so, you know, going into an applied sports psychology program has been amazing because every paper that I write, even though it is based on theory and models and philosophical assumptions, mm -hmm. and we have to incorporate those so that, sure. you know, we, they can be like, yeah, you do know what you're talking about, but what does it look like? You know, you talk about mental toughness. And it's like, okay, yeah, what is mental toughness? Mental toughness is you overcome obstacles, you do the thing even when it's hard, you focus even though there's distractions. And it's like, these are all great things, but what the fuck does that look like? And mental mm -hmm. toughness looks like when you go hit the scale and you thought that you were on weight, but you're not, and you got to go run around the, 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 the gym or the venue before the you can even weigh on. in, yeah. right? Put the sweatsuit on, like that's hard. Um, you know, you get broken up with, but you're about to do a, a tournament. And it's like, what does that look like? Well, it looks like having people say, Hey, everything's going to be okay. You've got this. And then saying, Hey, let's go warm up. Let's get you physically involved. Let's go do a role before your tournament. Let's go do this. Right. So it's, it's getting into that practical application has been everything and knowing how to do that and how to like what that looks like for other people. And it's not always going to look the same. Christine and I have different like my anxiety attack and her anxiety attack like yeah we both might be crying but hers is going to be more stiff whereas I'm going to be angry and just I don't I don't even know I just sort of go all over the place um but when when she was talking about how she had her panic attack at the Nogi Worlds that was similar to me at the 2017 uh Pans when mm -hmm. I lost the semifinal match and I crumbled. I literally just, I was crying on the mat. I cried as her hand got raised. I cried after they literally had to come inside the barrier to give me a hug because I could not move. I was so distraught. It felt like the world was ending. That's what it feels like for me. Mm -hmm. Um, that nothing else is worthy. It was, I didn't complete my goal. It was, it's just everything that's, that's big to me. Uh, so Christina went to say, okay, we got to go get you some food. And I wanted a hamburger. Mm -hmm. And they had no hamburgers. So mm. I'm literally just like, oh my God, worst fucking day ever. Yeah. Uh, and so I was like, fine, give me a hot dog. So I had cried for a while. I did not stop crying until I got on that podium and we were waiting for Heather Raftery, who was also in third place. So it was the first place, the second place and the third place. And I'm mm -hmm. just sitting there and we're waiting. And Christina does this video of me because I'm literally sitting on the third place of the podium and I'm eating my hot dog. Mm -hmm. And I'm swinging my foot and I'm just like, okay, all right. Life is not, life is not bad. There's food in my hand. Like we're going to get through this. Um, and from, a, um, from the outside, it just looks like, wow, she's a great, she's got great sportsmanship. Look at her. She's living her life. She's in third place and like, <laughs> doesn't have a care in the world. Wow. Um, but really it was like, you didn't see that I cried and cried and wanted to just died because I lost. Uh, you mm -hmm. didn't see that part of my anxiety attack. It was just look at her being, being that champion mindset of not caring, being mentally tough. But what you don't see is that I was just 
you know, crumbled on the floor um, mm-hmm. beforehand. Of course, people like to be like, oh, she's so rude. She's sitting on the, I'm like, bro, you don't have any idea of what I went through <laughs> just before this. Like my dreams were crushed, all this. So it's, it's a lot. And, it's, and I think that it's important for both sides to be seen. I think it's important to see people cry. I think it's important to see what that looks like because, you know, we all have those, those instances and you don't need to hide like cats who are sick. They, they are genetically or or biologically, like they go hide because they don't want to be found if they're suffering. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like that's what people do. And it doesn't help anyone else to see that. Yes, you will suffer. However, you can still find success. You will be stressed despite the fact that you have good things or you'll have good things and you'll feel good despite having stress. So those words, those bridge statements are huge. The however, the but they're, you know, the the despite, despite's one of my favorite words because I do things despite not wanting to do them. Mm-hmm. I do things despite being scared. I do things despite not being, not being fully sure of myself. Um, and I think that's important to mention because we look at people who do things very well, the champions, and we're like, wow, I'll never be like them because they don't suffer. They don't, they don't suffer like me. They don't, you know, they don't show vulnerability. They don't show that they're hurting. Um, and then when they do, and, and you see them win despite, that's probably one of the most powerful things I, mm-hmm. I could ever see. Yeah, You've now like, given me a new respect for the word despite. I'm sorry. I didn't yeah. <laughs> oh, no, you're <laughs> yeah. good. You're good. I, it was like, yeah, like everyone, everyone shows differently. Everyone kind of like, like, you know, it's funny. Cause like you're talking about like, yeah, there's some people like want to thrash. Some people need to be cuddled. Some people mm-hmm. need both or something in between. Like one of the main reasons why I stopped doing Muay Thai was because I didn't realize that it was very triggering for me to be hit. Like I liked, of course, I loved the release. I got the instant endorphins, punching, kicking, great. Being hit, like I thought I was like, I was great. I was fine. But after some time, I was like, this is kind of triggering. And I couldn't quite place why, you know, I've never, I've never been, you know, like I've, I'm, I've never been physically abused before. So I don't know where that came from. But like, I remember like, one time having like I had to like leave like a Muay Thai class or like right in the middle like I just finished sparring and I had so much so much other stuff going on in my mind and I just remember I didn't want to spar with this person um if I remember correctly uh the 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 girl I had to spar um was like the girl that was dating this guy that I liked um and like yeah, yeah, you know, and it's just like, oh, you know, like, and like me and that guy tried to date, but it was just the wrong, t- like wrong timing. And then like, but like still having feelings, but then now he's dating this girl. And it was just kind of like the, re- my, my thing was just like, I'm not good enough. I'm never going to mm. be good enough, you know? And, and this took some time before I actually got to work on that. Like, again, I was like closer to like my mid or late twenties before I started working on the, the don't have to be good enough. I'm just am mm-hmm. right there's no level of goodness or enoughness, right? It just am, you know? Um, and yeah, having to, you know, spar with her and like, and and I think she was aware of like my feelings for for the guy. And so I, in my head, she's just like, oh, of course she's, she's going harder on me, you know, because like I'm, you know, and at least that's how I was internalizing it. And like, 
some of like the other girls who saw us far like, hey, it's okay. She's been training longer than you. She's more experienced. And I'm like, that's not why I'm crying. <laughs> like, that has nothing to do with why I'm crying, you know? And, um, and just over time, I was just like, man, I really don't like feeling small. I don't like feeling like I can't overcome. And jujitsu was great because it was like, oh, even though I'm smaller, I'm not as strong. I'm still able to kind of get through with it and laugh. And then all of a sudden like it clicked, like why wasn't I doing jujitsu the entire time? As a young child, all I ever wanted to do was wrestle. Like, you know, yeah. so, so, so Erin's was um, talks too much. Mine was can't keep her hands to herself. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, like, and, and like, okay. As, and, and so my therapy, like I have a whole bunch of oh my animals and pillows and like that's that oh my, my gosh my I love thing it. is like every single night because I I'm not a violent person at all like I I get if I get angry I start crying and like there's times yeah. where I do want to thrash I just want to throw things and I wish I could scream I'm like ah you know but it's, it gets a point to get to there but like <laughs> but yeah like more than this like I, like I would like last night I was I, I was kind of having some anxiety and I'm like calling my boyfriend and like I don't know what to do with this like you're that you're like so and he's in in Maryland so like we're oh, so wow. far from each other and like I was like, I don't know what, it's like, can you think of what might have triggered him? Like, I don't know, I just got out of this movie and I'm just really anxious. I don't want to do. And then like, and, and, and I, I'm like getting angry on the phone, like yelling at him and he didn't do anything, no. you know, like he's just like, I'm so sorry. Like, so I'm like, and then I'm getting angry because he's apologizing for something that he shouldn't have to apologize. And then like towards the end of it, of all of my like rage yelling, of just like, I'm upset. I want this. I'm anxious. I can't do anything about it. I'm like, I just need a hug. <laughs> and it was this whole roundabout thing. I was like, I just need a hug and I can't get a hug. And now I just want to cry. Oh. You know? And it's like this whole thing of like, like sometimes it just comes in waves too. And I don't think people realize that either. Like, yeah. um, I don't think people realize that there's the waves of like, yeah, you know, we just say it's like uh, the, the stages of, of grief or whatever, mm -hmm. or, you know, but like there's stages for your for depression, anxiety too. It's just like acceptance oh, yeah. and, and rage and, and um, yeah, and then and despite, despite despite all of that, I woke up and I taught a really good class this morning. Yeah. Despite the fact that the night before, I was just like I felt like I like electricity, you know, like there's like like I said, it's like bees in my brain, and it stings, and I can't do anything about it. Um, but I just need a hug, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like or like or and then having like yeah, having like um, intrusive thoughts where like you know thoughts come in and, and they're yeah. telling you to to like hurt yourself you know like oh mm -hmm. you should go and get drunk or you should go and and go out to a strange place by yourself or you know you might be putting yourself in danger like these are the kind of thoughts that come into my mind and it's mm -hmm. like man like it's great that we can have a place like jujitsu to turn to like so when we do have feelings like that like at least we can be in a place where we can be safe and surrounded by people mm -hmm. um and even if you don't talk about it at least you're doing something for yourself um, right, yeah. And again, having a little bit of some of that control, bringing it all in. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> no, that's one thing. It's, it's so great here. We have such a, at least at our gym here, we have such a great, you know, welcoming atmosphere. We have uh, on general for down here, it's a small town where we're at. We got seven, seven to 10 girls on the mats at any wow. given day. Nice. And so, and it's, we, we are a very small town. Brookhaven, Mississippi is quite small. You may have never heard of it, but no. it's <laughs> collective. No, no. Yeah. I've heard of Laurel, Mississippi. From okay. The 
Okay. HGTV. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I was about to say that's <laughs> hometown. People, yeah, hometown. Yeah. Okay. That's actually where my husband's from is Laurel. Oh, and uh, Ben, that my husband's name is Ben. And that Ben was his youth minister once upon no! a time. So yeah. That's amazing. We actually invited them to our wedding, but COVID. Aww. So, but, uh, but yeah. So just having that atmosphere and we've had uh, young girls come in and they're like, I'm just so nervous. And I can think of one girl in particular, when she came on the mat, she was so scared. She started crying. She didn't stay the whole time. You know? And she you know, kept coming back though. She kept coming back. And now I, she just always has the biggest smile on her face, loves it. She's not scared of anybody. And so I just love jujitsu because it just can empower somebody who mm -hmm. thinks they can't do anything. And it's just, I love it. And so it's just, it's been such a, a blessing in my life to, um, you know, meeting great friends, to having a wonderful community, to if there's an issue, it is very cathartic for me. And so, and I can tell that it's been a blessing in y'all's lives too, with that, how yeah. long you've been doing it. So I know we, we've been talking for quite some time. We probably need to wrap this bad boy up. Yeah. <laughs> Anything y'all would like to, to add before we sign off? Yeah. I just want to, um, say that Smith the Stigma has a website, smiththestigma.org. Mm -hmm. We are also on Instagram. Um, we are accepting stories. So every Monday we put out a story um, and that goes to just help people understand how mental health relates to jujitsu. A lot of people just say, yeah, it saved my life. But having that personal story of maybe what someone has struggled through and how jujitsu has helped them, it just, again, just ignites that feeling of, wow, jujitsu is great, uh, despite all these other things. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, we accept stories. Uh, you can email stories at uh, submitthestigma.org. We also have our workshop. You can apply to be an ambassador on the website as well. We have merchandise, patches, shirts. Um, so yeah, if you want to check it out, it's the website and also the Instagram. Good. And just want to say thank you for having us. Um, it's awesome just being able to talk. And, and like Erin's one of my best friends. So like anytime I can involve um, her when we talk about mental health issues, it's just like I she's always the first person I think of. So thank you for having us. Yeah, um, yeah contact everything submit the stigma i i'm just i'm just an ambassador i'm just someone who just loves to support whatever erin is supporting and, and again it just so happens that submit, submit the stigma and, and mental health is just something i'm also very very passionate about because of its impact in my life and 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 the impact of of other people in my life as well mm -hmm. so um again like i'm not professional i am just a peer supporter um but uh i am here to just just you know again illuminate a little bit again that, that's all we really can do um we, if there's a problem we have to talk about the problems so we can find a solution we just don't talk not talk about it and the only way we can do that is just we can create safe spaces for us to talk um this podcast is a is a is a, is a great example of that of just like-minded people coming together sharing experiences and and um um, talking openly I, 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 at this point I can't even say that I'm being vulnerable um, this is now just my preset <laughs> yep. like it just it feels natural you know it, it, it feels vulnerable in the beginning because it's like oh you're not because you've been told all your life that you're not supposed to talk about it but now when you realize like when you alleviate of that of that restriction when you free yourself it's no longer vulnerability anymore I, I I mean although it is because you have to be willing to open yourself up to it um, but now it's just kind of like we've accepted those darkest spots of ourselves and mm -hmm. we've brought it out to light and now we're sharing it and um and um, and that takes that takes courage and that takes strength and and that take and that 
takes practice over time. You don't just, you don't just do it. You don't just be brave. You don't just have courage. You don't just, it's like, say, you don't just stop being depressed. Um, you know, again, like as, as, as positive and as optimistic as I can be. Um, um, and that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm no longer depressed. There's no, there's no cure. It's just, just an ongoing process and ongoing growth. And we just do that together. So um, if you're out there and you need help, just reach out, um, reach out to loved ones. Um, if you don't feel comfortable with loved ones, reach out to um, like anonymous hotlines. Hotlines are available too. You can always talk to someone anonymously and, and those resources are always available. Um, it's definitely talked about a lot more than when we were younger. So I think, I think everyone is with, be with better tools now. And, and, and that is a great direction for, for things to go. And, and I hope that it continues in that direction. We just keep the conversation going. Well, ladies, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. And I hope that y'all have a great rest of your day and a great training with jujitsu as well. So. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Bye. Zaza Music Festival, the most anticipated summer event, is coming to Bader Field in Atlantic City on July 15th and 16th. Lado, Da Baby, Remy Ma, Freeway, Beanie Siegel, Coy Ray, Coco Jones, and more. Plus, the world premiere of the new Burner Boy Breakfast Metaverse series with more artists to be announced. Tickets are on sale now at ZazaFestivals.com. Get your tickets before they're gone. Visit ZazaFestivals.com for more info about the VIP experience and the full lineup. ZazaFestivals.com. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.